The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. This is the Urban Cube and the time is 10 o'clock and the date is Monday 17th of February and you are joined by me, Shamiza, taking it all the way up to 12 o'clock on this slightly calmer side of uh, the morning. Um, I hope you guys are all wrapped up safe at home and have not been too impacted by the menace that is Dennis, uh, who's uh, whizzed through across Luton and the country um, at the weekend. Um, I hope uh, nobody has been impacted by too much of the damage that's been caused by the the very high winds. Um, the previous weekend we were hit by Chiara and this weekend Dennis. Um, so I hope you're all well. Do tell me how you're getting on, guys. It is the half term. So I'm hoping everybody's wrapped up and at home looking after or prepping um, some good indoor activities with their children. Um, if you have got the time uh, to take out with the kids, um, I, hope, I hope you've got a good or great day planned. would like to find out what is it that you're planning to do this week. Do share your ideas and thoughts. would really like some inspiration myself. Um, and, you know, board games might be a thing that you might want to do. When's the last time you pulled out a board game? Now, I came across um, an article that was suggesting that um, traditional choice toys are the way forward for children to kind of enable them to build back those skills that are being lost now when it comes to creative thinking um, and imagination because more and more children are, are, are just focusing on using um, or being given uh, technology more so than actually playing those traditional games. And many children have never even played a board game, which really, really is quite shocking. Um, if you're a parent that's actually grown up playing board games, is that um, do you encourage your children to play board games? Do you have any board games in the house? Um, I would really like to find out from you. Um, when's the last time you played a board game with your children? My favourite game used to be Ludo. I used to love the game Ludo, um, uh, but would like to find out from you. Now, the telephone number to call me on is 07779481822. It is National Kindness or National Act of Random Kindness Day, guys. Um, so another question we're asking you this morning is acts of kindness, folks. Have, do you, have you done something that is kind in support of your neighbours through this weather that we've had? Um, have you done anything to help somebody else? Uh, would like to find out on the show this morning because we're all about throwing over kindness, throwing acts of kindness on this show all the time. And um, your act of kindness to me is connect with the show. And to do that is 07779481822. The weather has been horrendous and it has put a lot of people's lives um, in, in jeopardy. I mean, we've seen we've seen um, in in our own gardens. Well, my garden anyway. The impact. Uh, my whole garden was turned upside down, and I don't know if anybody had um, received a trampoline. Um, uh, it, 
throughout. Um, but there seem to be a lot of trampolines flying around. Now, climate change is something that is, is something that we are consist- constantly hearing, um, hearing about, experiencing, and seeing the actual detriment, the impact it's having on the world. And I'm really, really delighted to be joined by an absolutely fantastic guest this morning, who is absolutely passionate about climate change and creating that difference in our in our mindset not just in our communities um, or the wider community but within our own communities as Muslims too because um, we always seem to associate climate change with the wider community taking the leadership taking the um, taking the bandstand to speak about it in the press in the media but how much are Muslims contributing in creating this change in mindset so this morning I've a question that my guest Uh, Rahman is going to be asking you and answering is how can Islam give strength and a moral compass to the multiple extinctions being faced on our planet? Now this is a question that my guest Moita Rahman is inviting Muslims to come behind. He's the coordinator of XR Muslims, a group within the extinction rebellion movement that arose that arose out of out, out of the Faith Bridge action during the October rebellion. He's also a lawyer, having trained at the international law firm and has now set up his own practice in the field of ecological justice. Absolutely delighted to be joined by Brother Moitha Rahman this morning. Assalamu alaikum, Brother. Thanks. Uh, in the background, it sounded a little bit windy. I don't know if that was the wind or whether that was paper that you were <laughs> messing oh, around with. Um, <laughs> probably paper, hopefully. There's no wind in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. How... Uh, is that better? Does that sound okay? It sounds fabulous. Thank you so very much. Now, I want you to pronounce your name as it should be pronounced. It's a beautiful name, but I'm a little bit concerned. I may have said it incorrectly. Um, the Anglican side of it, I guess, how, as I've grown up with it, it's Mothia. Mothia. Um, what I've learned, though, is that the Arabic is, uh, or the pronunciation should be Motiur. Motiur. <laughs> and what does it mean? Motiur Rahman is a servant of the merciful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting, yeah. It's a name that I wasn't very comfortable with <laughs> in growing up with, but I've become more and more, it's almost as you grow into your name and what it means to be, to be of service. I think that's why I've and it more. And very <laughs> fitting to you in service of mercy because, you know, mercy of the rain, mercy of the weather, um, it's a blessing um, and that we consider in our faith as Muslims, but m- Muslims and mashallah, you know, it, it, it's, it's hit us hard across the country um, the last weekends oh. that we've seen. Um, how How... Have you? How are your thoughts um, and how are your feelings um, around the climate that we're seeing at the moment? Yeah, I mean, um, it's just horrendous. As in the changes that are happening, it's, it's happening very quickly, um, uh, much faster than um, scientists were predicting earlier. And so the IPCC report, that's, that's the climate change report by the UN, which came out in October 2018, saying there was a moral duty to start acting. And that's really what brought me to, um, yeah, just almost seeing the emergency um, situation arise. And that was just around when Extinction Rebellion mm. um, uh, began. And I joined the movement um, sort of around that first 
just after the declaration of the rebellion in October 2018. And I think at the Archbishop, ex-Archbishop of Canterbury as well, mm -hmm. he said something that gave moral permission. He said, you know, you need to join the movement. And I thought, wow, he's an ex-Archbishop of the sort of, uh, Christian faith giving moral permission for civil disobedience. And I was like, wow, that's um, pretty powerful in that uh, And I was wondering where is it in Islam where we have this, when we think about justice, when we think mm -hmm. about Muhammad Sallallahu and mm -hmm. um, the injustices he faced as well, and then uh, from the Croatian, then had mm -hmm. to leave, and then he came back, you know, as almost like a refugee. That this sense of uh, leaving and uh, of mm -hmm. being uh, of facing injustice, and how we speak truth to to, to power, mm -hmm. and, and and I think there's something uh, that's needed, and that's what I find Islam has a powerful message around speaking mm -hmm. truth to justice. And what is a message through Islam that you're educating to the the, the wider community and the environment? Um, what, what, what is that message? Yeah, is what that... is it that you're wanting to say? What is it that you're wanting to project to non-Muslims that are at the Extinction Rebellion rallies around climate change? Um, what, one of the um, one of the things. One second. I'm just gonna. I'm just. Gonna, I'm just um, this is what I'm trying to do because we do my family around. And, Bless. Uh, uh, <laughs> no worries. Is it half uh, term? Have you got children around yeah. you? or? <laughs> no, my brother, actually. Oh, bless, bless. Which makes a lot of noise. He's a noisy brother. Brother, sit down. <laughs> We've got a radio interview going on here, dude. Come on. <laughs> no worries. Um, so um, we're having a, a fossil-free Ramadan. Mm -hmm. uh, um, trying to, well, trying to set up this... Um, uh, as part of the, the Christians are having um, Lent, so mm -hmm. they're bringing a, 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 a month of Lent and, and fossil, fossil free, uh, how to bring the consciousness of, of being fossil free during mm -hmm. that month. Mm -hmm. And in the Ramadan, it's almost like you know, we're, we're fasting, but how do we fast? Sorry, how do we fast from uh, our fo from fossil uh, fossil fuel use, or at least mm -hmm. bring it into our consciousness mm -hmm. when we're if we're driving a car, or if we think, oh, could I walk that instead? And so open widen the sense of um of fasting um and uh what we learn through sober mm. uh, steadfastness and patience um and uh one one of the verses in the quran that really strikes was really i think really powerful is the verse in quran 33:72, which says we did offer the trust of reason and volition to the heavens and the earth and the mountains but they refused to carry it because they were fearful of it but the humans undertook it. Surely humans were unjust to themselves and ignorant of the results. And, yeah, I just find that powerful because it speaks mm. around um, this trust of reason and volition that was uh, invited from, from uh, the heavens and the earth, but they refused and we took that responsibility mm -hmm. on, but have we carried it forward in a way that is actually just? And uh, that, that's where, and I feel almost the consequences that we're seeing mm. is the, this is a consequence of the breach of this trust that, that was um, asked of us and, and, and we took on that responsibility, but we haven't carried it out well. And we are seeing across Ramadan or pre uh, the Ramadan that has gone um, that more Muslims are taking a bit more responsibility. We've seen um, like plastic free iftaris where mosques mm. and um, community groups have encouraged communities to, to not, eat, um, not waste food, to try and bring their own cutlery, to avoid um, using plastic 
Um, and so we're seeing slow, slow changes. But does that just is that just in Ramadan? Um, have you seen any more changes across the Muslim communities? And what more can be done? Yeah, I think it's everything is just a good step to begin to broaden, uh, to, to begin to make these steps because you know individually we, we are destroy. You know, we are um, there's small things we can do, like as you say, green lit stars, and we can demonstrate how um, what, what a change we can make in our own communities mm-hmm. as an individual. And then, of course, there's the government governmental changes that are required because no matter how much we do individually, the government is still going to be churning out plastic uh, um, and products, then it's a drop in the ocean what we do. Mm. So we've got to tackle it from both levels, both as individuals, as, as consumers, but also this label, I think, of, as citizens. Like, what does it mean to be a citizen of the British, of, of, of be a British citizen, and, and citizenship, and, and, and I think strengthening our sense of the civic uh, responsibilities that are attached to um, being a citizen is something that's been eroded a lot through this uh, consumerist culture, mm-hmm. and to begin to um, yeah labor, see ourselves as citizens as well that have this civic responsibility, um, I think is really it can be powerful. And one of the things I know in Tower Hamlet that they did um, some research around um, just to see the effects of this air pollution on their children, and found that the lungs of their children were ten percent worse. Wow. In the national average, and that's just incredible. And it makes it brings it home and makes it real. Um, and, and that's connected very much to the land, because in Tower Hamlets, there's you know, quite a lot of wealth and so on, but the land is being brought support up by the by more rich, mm-hmm. uh, by the more wealthy, and so the mosques and the schools are being built on the, sort of the land that nobody else wants, so on, on the land by big, big major roads and junctions. And, and that is affecting you know, the health. And children, so you begin to see the the connections, and I think, yeah, they they then stood up to that and had a had a march um, a, a few months ago, and the East London Mosque as well had a kutbah around the college in Ramadan. So I'm seeing changes there. The, the, the fact that Mashallah. the Imam, um, yeah, um, gave, gave, had a kutbah around the college in Islam, I think was fantastic, and to bring that message out that he brought that, that the, the Imam brought out around uh, how Islam connects to mm. environmental message. I think is really powerful. And may it continue. And what other activities are happening that um, are encouraging the mind, ch- um, changing the mindset of our communities around climate change? Mm. Well, there's two. We're having a march with Extinction Rebellion. There's a march called Enough. The Enough is Enough March. <laughs> because I don't know, mm. with LBC, I forgot the name of the actual producer, but he's saying, and it's got a campaign called Enough is Enough. Enough of this disruption. Let's get back to business as normal so we can carry on with our mm-hmm. daily lives. And we're saying, we twist it around and go, well, actually, enough is enough of, of the government mm. not doing enough to, for our future generations, for the future of our children, for the health of this planet. And so that's why we think enough is enough. And we're trying to gather as many people together at Russell Square just to start a march. You know, it's not just for Extinction Rebellion. It's for anybody who feels that not enough is being done. And that's on Saturday the 22nd at 1 p.m. And uh, hopefully we'll have an exile Muslims banner. Mm-hmm. So to have many Muslims who could come and join and come behind that banner, I think, would be very powerful. And how have the Muslims been received by Extinction Rebellion? Is it, you know, what's their response been to you uh, and your side of um, educating and communicating? Um, I think it's been uh, w- uh, welcoming. There needs to be, I think there needs to be more dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 
and I, I find a lot of curiosity around uh, what, what is it to be, you know, um, um, some maybe to make, uh, yeah, some 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 assumptions made that aren't necessarily uh, mm-hmm. true. But it's like, it's like there needs to be more dialogue. You know, I, I had a phone call from well, we had a phone call to XR Muslims from XR Leicester. So we have all these groups: XR Leicester, XR Durham, XR uh, Leeds. Um, but the XR Leicester phoned us and said, "Oh, we haven't actually got any Muslims in our uh, group. Do you have any XR Muslims that you could direct us to?" And I thought, "Wow, well, you know, if you're having a group um, in Leicester and not having the Muslims, what does that?" Uh, demonstrate, and it's wow. not to do with necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that we do live in these divided communities. When mm-hmm. when we have a a rule in our in extinction rebellion, which says you know if you follow the values and principles, then you can set up a group, mm-hmm. and people and it's self-selecting and it's self-directed. So most people, most groups get set up by people who have got the time mm-hmm. and have got the knowledge around environmental sort of issues, and that has tended to be middle class white. Yeah. Uh, socially privileged people and so the environment started from but we need to expand mm-hmm. beyond just the, the usual suspects of the environmental movement to the to the wider civil society and that's where you know it's, it's going to be difficult mm-hmm. or it's a challenge to do it because you've got to make it relevant to their experience um and you're very much and it's this is the common thing isn't it that we're seeing it's a very middle class <coughs> white thing about climate change and climate and challenging and and brown people per se are not really involved, but yet they are involved, but they're not seen um, seen as much um, in the press doing so. It kind of reminds me of the um, article where we saw an, um, um, one of the black activists cut out of an image which was uh, featuring just three of the female white um, activists around global climate change. But we are seeing change and we are seeing people um, from our communities making that difference. But one thing I wanted to ask you, um, Moitur, was the fact that um, uh, Preeti Patel has uh, listed Extinction Rebellion as a terrorist group. And does and that's so it seems like what's going on there um this kind of does maybe make people a little bit concerned because extinction rebellion has had a bit of a, a marmite um uh, relationship with the general general public and now it's been considered a listed as a terrorist group yeah it's been yeah listed as uh in some of the police reports is uh connected with uh extremists uh, yeah, given this extremist labelling, and there's been lots of reports in the, in the newspapers to say to, to to pull that out, and the police have mm. been uh, the uh, counter-terrorist police saying that that's not what they really see. They don't. That's not what the truth is. They don't. They, they'd be trying to give reassurances that that's not the case, uh, and there's, um, that, that they don't see it as extremists. But the damage is done in a way, mm. or in a way that that was uh, just. Sorry, that's my alarm. <laughs> Um, they, so the damage is done in the sense that um, uh, it's in people's minds to kind of associate Exile with, oh, are they an extremist organization um, just because of that? And it's, it's, that non, it's that non-truth-telling, which mm. is very dangerous when, when governments or when uh, police, whichever, whichever institution you want to say, starts, starts just for, for their own uh, interests, starts... Um, doing something that was disrupting or trying to make something that's not actually true into a fact. And we actually, yeah, we, uh, I've met up, um, had some conversation with Cage as well. But, you know, I don't know if you've been doing a lot of great mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. around the um, um, prevent um, 
uh, the government's prevent strategy, which is to, uh, sort of demonize many uh, Muslim communities. And it's like we've got to stand up to that as well. I think that's almost like another. It's, it's, to, it's to not. It's to say that it's not to carry on the injustice of of of, of prevent, <coughs> which is now widening to children, and that's mm. the most biggest injustice. That it, what is happening is that uh, children or teachers are now saying, "Oh, is is Iqsar extremist? Or are these children who are now having filled with this eco anxiety about their own futures?" Uh, wanting to go on strike, are they, you know, um, is, is, are they, are they in a vulnerable position? Is the information they're getting correct? Of course, it is correct, but it's like there's a lot of, uh, there's a big pushback by uh, the status quo to say that uh, this is not, uh, this is not an emergency. Mm. We've got it all in hand. Don't worry about it. And, and that's the, um, yeah, that that's the worry that that that. that um, and they have labeling. Yeah, and they haven't got it in hand, have they? And it is worrying. And um, climate change, uh, the crisis that we're facing, is speeding up. But what what can be done? How yeah. can we slow it down, Motur? Um, just just to give you an indication of how not in hand they. Because we've got it. about three yeah. more minutes before we head to the three break. Three more minutes. Yep. Okay. Well, so there is at the moment a, a public a sort of a citizens' assembly that's mm-hmm. being uh, carried out by some of the parliamentary groups. Um, which is looking at 2050 as the date for net zero, and the very the, uh, the scientific report, the IPCC report, says that net zero 2050 gives us a 50/50 chance of of, survive, of surviving as a civilization. Mm-hmm. So you know you wouldn't want to put your child on a plane which has a 50/50 chance of survival. And we're saying that this isn't enough. And one of the things that we're doing as well is an action at um, you can find it on Facebook mm-hmm. is the is an action at uh, the Science Museum. It's not. Uh, it's nothing to do. It's not going to be in a, a, what we call an arrestable action. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, it's. Uh, it's going to be a lot of ingenuity, a lot of creativity. Uh, you know, that's on Thursday, the twentieth, at eleven a.m. And it'd be great to have many of our Muslim brothers, and sisters, join us um, at that action to to show solidarity. Together. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you, how can people connect with you if um, to to support that your work that you're doing or find out more information? Yeah, uh, brilliant. Yeah, there's a Facebook page, um, uh, XR Muslims. We also have a WhatsApp group where we're doing lots of, uh, yeah, a lot of information. Is, is, um, we'll be connecting through that. Um, and yeah, so those are the two main uh, channels that we have. We also have a we- uh, website, uh, uh, Muslim, mm-hmm. where you can find more information about stuff that's already happened <coughs> that we've done before. And I, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, welcome, welcoming lots of people to join on the on the WhatsApp group uh, from different communities around the country, so we can begin also spread this message out around the the well, both of the 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 Islamic message around ecology in Islam. Um, we're trying to develop a talk that we can take to communities, uh, mm-hmm. to, to mosques and to women's centres, that we can bring this the Islamic message through um, climate uh, crisis. Fantastic. And Ramadan is uh, less than 100 days away. So something to work towards, inshallah. And hopefully this Ramadan, we can create more change across the Muslim community around um, uh, climate change. Now, brother, before you dash off, I want to ask you, today is National um, Acts of Kindness Day. So Random Acts of Kindness Day. Do you have anything planned to be randomly kind? Uh, now you've put it in my... <laughs> I, I will, I, I'm going to catch a trade. 
so I'm sure when I go to the train station, there'll be some. I'll, I'll, I'm going to yeah. I'll, I'll see mine to, to to give up a chair or to yeah, just any any small act. I'm sure there's every day and every minute there's some something you can do. I think as a randomer. That's fantastic. And um, when's the last pl- time you played a board game? I've heard you say Ludo. Ludo was one of my favourite games as well. I used to love that game. Uh, I haven't played it for ages. And it's funny, yeah, I haven't played board games for, for a long time. Um, um, but I'm, I have got with my niece, actually, maybe I should uh, in, introduce her to some board games. Fantastic. That, should I, be doing. That, should, that sounds like a good idea with half term. If your niece is listening, you know what? Your uncle has said it live on air. Now, I want to thank you so very much for your time with us this morning. And may you continue to make the difference that you're making and create, um, and create some change in mindset as well to kind of make climate change as um, important as it should be um, recognised by the Muslim community. Thank you so very much this morning. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. You're very, very welcome. Take care. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was Brother Moita Rahman um, talking to me this morning um, uh, about his work as the coordinator of XR Muslims, a group within the Extinction Rebellion movement that arose out of the Faith Bridge action during October Rebellion and his purpose in kind of encouraging um, more Islamic uh, uh, ideas around climate change as well. We're heading off to a break and we're joined by another fantastic guest who's making changes across the film world and tackling hatred and extremism. Um, I'm talking about no other than the very talented Rizwan Wadan, who is going to be talking to me about his project, the Error in Terror project, straight after the break. So join me straight after then. Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It's 10.30, Monday 17th of February and you're listening to the Urban Cube show brought to you on Inspire FM 105.1 FM. I'm Shamiza taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock this morning and we're beaming out to the fantastic folk across Luton surrounding areas of Peterborough on Salaam Radio and Sheffield on Link FM this morning. I hope everybody is safe, well and dry um, um, at home or if you're at work, would um, I hope you're well, guys. It's been a, quite an interesting weekend. Um, Alhamdulillah, uh, Storm Dennis hasn't had that much of an impact on my garden as Kiara did. I hope your gardens are treating um, are, are well. And um, and the the fences are still up. I think I've lost one more fence, so I've got loads of gaps in the fence. But um, inshallah, is things these are these are minor things in the grand scheme of things, aren't they? We've just got to remain positive, positive as always. Now I had the actual pleasure of speaking to a guest earlier on on the show by the name of Moita Rahman, and Moita Rahman spoke to us about his um, the need to be as Muslim to take climate change a lot more seriously. And he is part of the um, 
the XR Muslims of uh, within Extinction Rebellion movement. And that arose out of the Faith Bridge action during October Rebellion. And it was an absolute pleasure listening to him and sharing with us uh, his thoughts around uh, climate change and how Islam can give strength and a moral compass to the multiple extinctions being faced on our planet. So that was a really, really interesting perspective to hear. Now, you can catch the conversation on the repeat of the show this evening at 8 p.m. There's also a podcast that will be released and the conversation is also available on Facebook too. The camera isn't on uh, Facebook Live. It's just the audio at the moment because... All the conversations today are over the phone, guys. And um, But I want you guys to get in contact with me via WhatsApp because it is a, a National Act of Random Kindness Day, guys. National Act of Random Kindness Day. So um, any thoughts on that, guys? Has, did you do anything across the weekend in support of your neighbours and regarding the weather? Um, did you put their bins away? Did you help them take their shopping in? I don't know. You tell me. I want to find out from you. I want to hear what you've been up to because this show, Inspire FM, is all about inspiring the community positively. And one thing that we're passionate about is engaging kindness. Now, you may have heard that across the weekend um, we had the uh, Being Good to Your Neighbour uh event that was going to be happening at St. George's Square. Unfortunately, that was cancelled because of the weather. And the whole purpose of that was connecting with our neighbours um, and sharing food, conversation and fairground activities. But um, that's been cancelled. So do please keep up with the updates on Facebook and the Rise and Shine show and when that possibly is going to be happening again. But that's a wonderful opportunity for you to kind of bring your neighbours out um, and share with them conversations and community, Marshall. Now, um, another question I asked is, when's the last time you actually played a board game, guys? The last time you played a board game and what's your favourite? I really enjoyed playing Ludo whilst um, growing up as a child. And um, it's a game that I think I need to introduce to my children because I read an article which has been very, very clear in suggesting that, you know, children should go back to traditional games, traditional board games, the old toys or the toys that we played as children that were technology free because that will encourage greater thought thinking and um, thought process and um, diligence and all sorts of uh, the good stuff and imagination amongst our children. So are you a parent that only allows your children to play board games? Are you a parent that only has your children only access games that are te uh, te technology induced? Um, do tell me, or are you a parent that has decided to replace the board game with a uh, camera, maybe? Um, I'm going to be speaking to a fantastic parent who's really not just making a difference in the world of film, but also encouraging his children to pick up the camera as, as well. And who am I speaking about? It's no other than um, Rizwan Wadan, who is a Muslim filmmaker who's worked on a Star Wars film and The Favourite. He's also produced four sh short films, um, uh, for a project to tackle hatred, extremism and terrorism. And we're going to be speaking to him um, about his... It's, it's, 
seems like a real passion to create a a, a new narrative surrounding Muslims um, through the the making of film. And also he'll be talking to us about his... um, project which is um, hopefully inshallah uh, will be launching his vision around creating the first ever British Muslim Film Institute. I have the absolute pleasure to be speaking to no other than um, Rizwan Wadan. Assalamu alaikum Rizwan. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you this morning brother? Has the wind caught up with you yet? No, Dennis has not been a menace this week. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, been fine. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, you know, this kind of reminds me of you know the comics. Um, whenever there was a, a dreadful, you know, if, the, if it was raining, I what I would do is I would get you know a jadar or a gumbal, you know, like one of those blankets, put it <laughs> over two chairs, and I'd crawl under those chairs and I'd read a comic. And Dennis the Menace was the comic that I used to read. <laughs> Seriously. True story, true story, no lie. Um, Your childhood in imagination and creativity, were you a child that was, uh, you know, given lots of board games to play and lots of comics? Uh, I was into cartoons, definitely. My earliest sort of memories of Wile E. Coyote jumping and trying to catch, uh, you know, the runner, the road runner, (laughs) and uh, the Warner Brothers cartoons. And then, of course, the the, the comics, the the sort of uh, Spider-Mans and the X-Men and all of that. So, um, yeah, I grew up around that era, but there was only cartoons of that when I was growing Mm. up. There weren't any sort of like uh, film adaptations of these uh, Mm. comics. And so we've been asking our listeners this morning about board games and replacing technology with board games, going back to the old traditional toys. Is that something that um, you see needs to be done? And uh, mashallah, you're a father yourself. It's half term. Can you see yourself pulling out a board game? We do, uh, we do sometimes. Uh, I mean, Monopoly. I call it the devil's game. But um, <laughs> yeah, the we'll pull out Monopoly and you see everyone break. <laughs> so that that's quite um, interesting as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we do play the board games, traditional board games at home sometimes. And it's a great way of bringing the family together as well. And you get to see another side of your children. Some can be quite sly. Some can be quite, you know, smart. Um, it's, it's a great thing. And um, maybe it's an opportunity to film that. And <laughs> see how I'm kind of trying to link all this in. Now, guys, if you've, now, guys, if you've just tuned in, it is 10.38, Monday, 17th of February. And I'm, um, speak, I'm on the Urban Cube show, taking you all the way to 12 o'clock. And I have the absolute pleasure to be joined by Rizwan Wadan. He's a Muslim filmmaker who's worked on movies such as Star Wars, The Favourite and Disney's Art Miss Foul. Um, I'm going to be talking about his short film campaign, The Error in Terror Project, aiming to tackle hatred, extremism and terrorism. And also going to be looking forward to talking to him about his vision to launch the first British Film Institute. Now, if there was ever a day to watch films, it's today, I think. And you're the perfect person to speak to, especially with the weather and the way it is. Um, Brother, your journey... Mashallah, has been absolutely tremendous. Um, And uh, from working on some real Hollywood epics like Rogue One as Star Wars, um, behind the camera, uh, how did that journey actually begin from, I understand you were from Luton, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I moved to Luton five years ago, uh-huh. but um, well, six years ago. But um, I am from West. I grew up in West London, so I'm. I would say I'm more of a Londoner than I am a Lutonian, but. I do have some, uh, my family is in Luton, well, my daughter, uh, she lives with her mother there, so that's, um, uh, yeah, so Luton still has, I still have family ties in Luton, so yeah. And I'm so glad that, you know what, you dropped the Luton thing in there, because it does make you sound cool, right? (laughs) It makes me sound like an extremist, but yeah. (laughs) No, you're not supposed to say that, it gives you a bit of an edge, but this is what you're trying to tackle, you're trying to tackle the misrepresentation of Muslims in um, film um, through yeah. this £1.2 million project, mashallah, that you were able to fundraise um, to make uh, happen. And and it was you released four short films tackling, um, you know, the, the negative yeah, narrative yeah, the, the around Muslims. So, I mean, the journey, if you, if, in simple terms, I mean, why did I get involved in mm. film? I mean, when I picked up the camera, um, I picked it up because I felt that um, in the mainstream or in the media, whenever there's a Muslim story being told or whenever there's something or the representation of Islam and Muslims, it's just negative. Mm-hmm. And I was sick and tired of seeing, like, uh, the worst of the Muslim community from a global perspective. Mm-hmm. Whenever something had happened, the cameras point to that direction. Yeah. And then I was just like, the more I would, um, you know, sort of see like the attacks happening, Charlie Hebdo or some, you know, any terrorist attack, then all of a sudden, you know, these uh, the cameras would, would, would point at the mm. death to America, the people that are just, you know, the protesters, the people that are burning buildings and, you know, basically the, the, the angry mobs and, and the angry people who are not mm. actually behaving Islamically at all. Um, but then that gets portrayed as an image of what our religion stands for. And then continuously, uh, the continuous pr- portrayal of like, you know, uh, the replacement of like Muslims from the communists or the Nazis mm. in film. So we're just the, you know, terrorist number 10 and terrorist number 15, whatever it is, it's just con- it, it, it just carried on in that sort of sense. Um, but my humble sort of start, or my intentions and still are, is that I wanted to represent Islam and Muslims to the wider non-Muslim audience. Mm-hmm. So when I picked up the camera, all I wanted to do was make some videos on YouTube that would translate some of the you know, lectures and Islamic sort of, uh, it, it just real, it's like the, the, the real Islamic teachings in the form of like just uh, some of the ready-made lectures that are there into Polish and Czech and mm-hmm. sort of European languages. And I thought I'll do that. And I did something like that, but I carried on sort of, uh, well, the first thing I shot, I realized it was really, really, really rubbish. It's probably the best way to explain it. It was really just, it was one shot, and I thought to myself, I can't bear watching this. Right. If I can't stand watching what I've made, how are other people going to be engaged in this and watch this? I thought, I need to learn. So then I basically took almost over 44 courses on lynda.com at the time. Now it's taken over by LinkedIn Learning. But I studied um, so hard. I mean, I spent... 44 courses? Why 44? Well, I mean, that's the amount of courses I finished off in Linda, and then I still continue to do more off Linda. Because Uh whenever you finish on Linda, they'll give you a certificate that you've done a 40-hour course or a 20-hour course. And some of these courses are 20 hours or 40 hours long. And Mm -hmm. really, if you were to study that uh, an hour a week, you know, in a college somewhere, you'd study that one course over, you know, across, uh, you know, that was found across a, a year. So... Basically, I, I, I learned what I would learn to dish, if I was to be studying traditionally. I learned like what I'd learn in ten years, in in maybe two. Wow. So you know, so I, I spent a lot of time self-teaching myself and mm. then practicing 
my uh, craft as a photographer. And then this sort of gimbal technology was emerging. And I felt to myself, like, as a sort of independent, like, filmmaker shooting small dogs and small adverts for, like, small businesses, I thought, you know what, I could do away with the slider, I could do away with all this other tech, uh, equipment, I could just get this one tool, and then that way I can just minimize carrying around. Mm. A lot of filmmakers will, will understand what I'm saying here, carrying around and lugging around a lot of equipment. Um, but um, but that, that, that doesn't change, actually, because in film, this, that's all it is. If somebody asked me what's filmmaking, I'd say... Um, moving equipment from one side to the mm -hmm. other. Uh, Which it, it is technically, it is isn't it? That's what it is. <laughs> but you're, you've taken it one step further. You've actually developed technology that um, yeah. you, yeah. you're, you're, you're one, in, one of a kind, really, with this technology um, that has been used on some of the biggest film productions yeah. in the world. That, that is that is true. I mean, I am an anomaly within the Muslim world, for sure. Um, within the filming industry, I'm definitely an odd one, um, for sure. As, as the, 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 yeah, definitely. I, I just. I wouldn't I say odd. Say fun. unique, a league I of your own. Come on, bro. You've come from Luton. You need to pep it up a little bit. <laughs> Um, you know what? I, I like being uh, the, 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 the strange anomaly. I okay. like being the one that just un, you can't, you don't know what he's going to do. You don't know what he's going to bring. You know he's got something up his sleeve and he's going to come back with something that's just going to like surprise you or at least um, overcome the challenges that you throw at, uh, at, mm -hmm. at myself. Um, so I, I basically saw this technology that you're talking about that mm -hmm. we've worked on like Star Wars with and whatnot. So I saw this technology emerge like the, at the early sort of stages of its development it was like quite like it, it couldn't take a decent camera it couldn't take a decent payload mm -hmm. um so what i mean by that is these days a lot of people to to make it quite for all the listeners that are listening you know you have this thing that you hold in a hand and you put your mobile phone in it and it keeps it straight that's a stabilizer okay that's right. a gimbal that you have loads okay. of like ronins and people like that dji have these gimbals and everyone's sort of familiar with them they're becoming like a household thing um but what we've developed and what 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 i realized was needed especially from a perspective of putting a heavier camera on it, I ended up working with one of the manufacturers and uh, and the distributor for this sort of device, this technology that was emerging, one of these companies. And then what I did is I listened to the feedback from the professionals in the filming industries from the exhibitions and the sort of like, you know, you go to these, uh, you do these conventions and whatnot in the industry. And they would give you the feedback. They would say, look, we want this on there. We want that on there. And they'd laugh at it. My earliest sort of experience with this, like bringing something new into the industry was it being mocked for it to be laughed at, wow. for it to be not taken seriously. Um, and you know, at the, and I could understand why they did that because people just don't like change. People mm -hmm. just fear what they don't know as well. I think there was a little bit of like, once we got it working, once we developed this, once we took all the feedback, once we took all the digs and the, the negative remarks and it can't do this and it can't do that. I spent years in like dungeons, right? In like Ari Rental and Panavision. And I spent time working in, in, in these, um, like engineering departments to mm -hmm. overcome those challenges. So I wanted to basically provide what they needed, right? So I wanted, if they wanted heavier cameras on there, I wanted for it to make, you know, for it to have heavier cameras, for it to be able to take heavier cameras. And we did that. We achieved those, um, we achieved those goals, alhamdulillah. And when we came back and we said, okay, uh, Rogue One was a, was a big test for us. Uh, mm -hmm. Rogue One, they had the Alexa 65. This is a crazy, massive camera. Uh, 21.5 kilos was the weight of just the, the package, and we had to stabilize all of that. And we managed to succeed. We did the test. We managed to make it work. But at that time, you couldn't lift the camera up physically and carry it because mm -hmm. it was just so heavy. 
so this whole exoskeleton body armor technology to be able to and it comes from sort of logistics comes from military uh, logistics like to be able to pick an industrial use to pick up heavy equipment mm -hmm. for operators to be able to carry like big boxes and things and so we started to develop that to be able to take uh, to be able to take like the stabilization system and for it to be able to provide extra movement mm. so it was a lot of like time spent in research and development but it, my main focus wasn't to try and sell like the equipment to start selling boxes and start selling and shit you know just it was to try and refine the system so mm -hmm. that it could work the way that the DOPs the camera operators uh, it could it could have flexibility of a you because I came from that background as an operator as a camera operator, as a I don't want to call myself a proper DOP, uh, not to the level of the BSE guys, but yes, I could like I understood the principles of, of photography, and I could understand camera movement, and I was able to understand what these other devices did, like sliders and little and small jibs. And what we wanted to do was be able to provide something that like um, that you could that that basically would add additional sort of um, movement and uh, allow operators to basically place position the camera in ways you can't with other mm. pieces of equipment and also to adapt it with other equipments like dollies and different sort of like you know industry equipment so that it can work with other devices so when we developed that when it, when we got it working some of the dops like you know that, that was john john conroy was the first dop he worked on luther he saw what we were doing in ari and he basically gave me a chance and they booked me on for two days to just you know use the system we did some camera tests and they took me for two days on on set and they loved the director and the DOP loved it so much that they ended up pretty much using it throughout the whole series. Like I was there for like Fantastic. more than half of yeah, more than half like they shot shot more than half the show with it. And um, you know, Alhamdulillah once that happened and when I ended up on set, sister, this is where it just you know the penny drops? Mm -hmm. I realized when I ended up on set on that BBC drama, I just knew what the Muslim community do not have, the Muslim media just do not have, and that is like they do not understand or have the ability or the mindset at the moment or just the, the infrastructure or the, or the sort of um, maybe the people to lead this, mm -hmm. but to be able to make films to that standard, to, maybe, to be able to make dramas and to be able to pull together the teams and the, and the mechanism of film isn't there. So I thought... Um, so what is I it lacking? Mean, you talked about mechanism. Is it the technology? Is it the thought okay. process? Is it the finance? Okay, so I come from a, a kind of like when I reverted to Islam because I lived with my religion, you know, I lived without sort of like... I, you know, you, you're born a Muslim, but you have to choose the religion. So I chose it later on in my life. And when I accepted it as my faith with doing my research and whatnot, I came from sort of like a different background. And... You know, understanding that, uh, you know, when I, when I fell into Islam, I went sort of super salafi, right? So I went sort of pretty sort of like images of haram, which of course they are in the sense of like, you know, from a religious perspective. And then it, there was a conflict within like, I think the religion as well, where we as traditionally have been kept away from the art. And even like, you know, we, from an Indian Pakistani background, we've got like, you know, Bollywood and whatnot. It's been there for like almost a century or whatever it is. But it's always been found upon, the, you know, filmmaking has always been found upon within the community, whether it's from a religious perspective or not. It's been kind of like looked at as, you know, it's not really a noble profession to get into. So 
So it's not something traditionally that we encourage our children to get into or, you know, it's not something that's a realistic sort of thing in the past for people to think. And, you know, most of our parents or grandparents are like, you know, taught you to be engineers, doctors, surgeons, civil servants, whatnot, when all that fails, work for your family business, when all that fails, you know, become, for most of the men, become the driving force of Uber, whatever it is, like, you know, we're laborers, we work, we physically, we don't, we don't like, contrary to the sort of accusations or, you know, we're accused of like sort of, possibly being benefit for scavengers and this that the other but we give back we do so much for the community here we give back as a as a community so for me it was like overcoming that challenge so when i picked up the camera i was making a decision that okay i understand the principles that images are haram and this that the other uh there was still like this sort of debate going on that should should people do that should, should people not do that so i do feel that we have been sort of kept away from the, 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 the good, the, like this technology, or this, this sort of filmmaking and telling stories from a visual perspective, we've been kept behind. We're 100 years behind, really, mm -hmm. as a Muslim uh, community, especially from the practicing side. Mm -hmm. And I think even mosques and other institutes and educate they've just never pushed this sort of uh, as a, um, you know, as, as an industry. Yeah, just an industry is one thing, but to be able to use it to communicate, mm -hmm. use it to, to share our stories, to tell our stories and convey our message. And I think it's just that, now we're realizing the consequences of it. I think the community is realizing the power of it, mm -hmm. and they're realizing how much of an impact it really has. And even the scholars are jumping on the board, like people who might have said, you know, 10 years ago not to do this. They're realizing that actually you have to do this because if you're not, if you're, as they, I keep hearing, if you're not on the table, you're, you know, you're on the menu. So I keep hearing that. And from a film perspective, like we've just been on the menu because the people that are making the films, it's an easy story to tell, like, mm. you know, like it, it might not even be sinister. It might not even be malicious. It might, it's just like an easy, there's a, there's a bad It's guy, misrepresentation isn't it? though, isn't it? The stories around Muslims are misrepresented. Um, and yeah, this is, are, and this is, this is what we're going to be talking about after the break, inshallah, because we are going to be heading off to a break. Um, folks, if you've tuned into the show, have the absolute pleasure of speaking to um, the, the very talented Razwan Wadan, who is a filmmaker really making an impact with the latest camera technology, working on some very large scale, iconic films from Star Wars um, to also the favorite. He's produced four short films for uh, a 1.2 million project to tackle hatred, extremism and terrorism called The Error um, in Terror Project, which, inshallah, we're going to be talking about straight after the break. Um, brother, um, oh, what, cool. <laughs> you're also... <laughs> there's so much to talk about, but we're going to be uh, exploring it uh, in more depth after the break because I don't want to cut you short. But um, I want to also mention to our listeners, if you are somebody passionate about filmmaking or working um, in, uh, in writing or producing, directing... Or, or just around the technology side of things, and you're going to really look forward to listening to Brother Rizwan because he's in he's focusing on on launching the very first ever British Muslim Film Institute. Yes, I've said that loud and clear. The first ever British Muslim Film Institute. I'm super excited to hear about that, Rizwan. How um, uh, you've got about a minute to just kind of give us a bit of an intro before we head to the break. Uh, what can we expect? You can expect um, a infrastructure being created for creative Muslims to be able to get hands-on experience, workshops, 
the sort of uh, training and education you just can't get in a university. Wow. You know, basically what you need in film. And unfortunately, to, you know, traditional sort of education from a university, a degree or a master's, uh, you know, you, you, if you go with that to uh, to try and apply for a job as a focus puller or something mm-hmm. else, it just doesn't work like that. Film has, you know, the filming industry has various departments, and you sort of have to specialize in a particular department. So we'll be able to provide, you know, individuals, help them to find their way. And we're going to gonna f- help them to find that way straight after the break. Brother Rasman <laughs> is going to still be on the line, and inshallah will catch inshallah. up straight after the break. Guys, you cannot miss this interview, because especially if you're somebody who's passionate about the film industry and entering it, then this could be something that you could be looking into. We're heading off to a break. Inshallah. After the break, more conversations with Brother Rizwan and myself, and also finding out about board games um, straight after this. Join me. Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Assalamu alaikum and a very good morning to you. Thank you for staying with me on the Urban Cube. Um, the time is 11 o'clock and it's Monday, 17th of February. I've had an absolute pleasure being joined by two fantastic guests this morning talking about their passion in making a difference, be that through climate change or film. This morning, I'm still joined by the very awesome uh, and super talented Rizwan Wadan, who is a filmmaker making a massive big difference um, through not just technology in filmmaking, but also the, the Muslim stories, the Muslim narratives that are being projected uh, typically about Muslims. He's creating that change, inshallah, through a project that, it, that he has uh, launched, which uh, was called, it was a campaign, and the campaign, the Terror in Terror campaign worth over £1.2 million and which was independently funded through sponsorship and partnership with some of the most respected companies and individuals in the film industry enabled him to launch four short films which went on to be shortlisted and nominated for awards as well. I'm on. Um, I'm joined by Rizwan this morning on the phone and we've had the absolute pleasure of listening to his filmmaking journey which, believe it or not, started <laughs> off from taking courses online to taking them all the way across to Hollywood, mashallah, to be working on films such as Star Wars, The Favourite and Disney's Artemis Fowl. Plus, he's been part of some really big BBC um, uh, series like Luther as well. And uh, today, mashallah, he's on in a little old Luton over the phone talking to me on Inspire FM. How, how how glamorous it is for him. Now, his journey after, um, you know, his, his creative journey in, in, in encouraging a more positive rep, uh, story around Muslim um, Muslims actually began after the Westminster attack. Um, and that's where he decided to create a campaign to separate Islamic teachings and pr- principles from being associated with extremism and terrorism. That's enough of me talking about what I know about him, but I'm sure you'll want to hear from him himself. Assalamu alaikum, Brother Rizwan. 
Thank you so very much for patiently listening in. We had the pleasure of listening to you before the break now. Um, and you were talking about um, sort of improving the mindset and the relationship between the Muslim community and um, creativity and making films. And you spoke about very, very briefly about also the launch of a British Muslim Film Institute. So um, really quite intrigued and interested to hear about this. You know, it's kind of interesting. It's so difficult to try and jam in like 10 years of a journey yeah. into like an hour <laughs> and try to like find the key bits and edit them out mm. in my head and say, okay, these are the critical bits and this is what the community needs to understand. Mm. One of the things that the Muslims, especially because you're obviously, um, you know, a channel that's for Muslims or it's, it has, you know, it's for everyone in the community. I get that, but you guys are, you know, majority of uh, your listeners may be Muslim. And, um, you know, a message for them is that when I started to do this, before I even picked up the camera, first I made a du'a. So it's very important for you to, you know, ret like reach out to your creator and ask him. So whenever you want to do something, and to all your creatives that are out there, you might be listening and you want to get into the filming industry and you want to do this, you're, I believe that you have to first turn to Allah. You know, for me, my du'a was Allah. Help, utilize me to serve you, to represent Islam and Muslims to the wider non-Muslim audience. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, that was a quite specific du'a because I felt that Muslim media networks and channels, they just weren't creating content that could, that forget, let alone non-Muslims would watch, I wouldn't watch it. So mm -hmm. if I'm not entertained or I'm not interested to watch the content, then why would anybody outside of our own echo chambers watch that? So I thought, okay, that, that's the need. So therefore I made a du'a for that. And then at the, even when I picked up my first camera, when I purchased my cameras, I decided to buy cameras that were at least industry standard. Even if they were DSLRs, they could be 50 megabits and all of that. They would have, you know, the sound would be industry standard. So I did the best I could to make sure the standards were there that would, the standards of my production would be, you know, acceptable by the likes of the BBC. Even though my skills weren't there at that time, my storytelling abilities weren't sort of refined, but my technical abilities were like, you know, I, they, they were my strength. And then along with that, um, you know, along the journey, I've, I've, I've gone and got to a point, alhamdulillah, where I have worked on projects such as Star Wars. I took my mom's advice. She said to me, look, if you're going to work in this industry, you want to help the ummah, you want to help the community, Mashallah. you want to do dawah, you want to bring people under... Mums you know, are always right, bro. Mums are always yeah, right. They are. She said to me, make sure you find something to sell because you've got kids. Who's going to, you know, you're going out there and you want to do all of this for the mm -hmm. sake of God and you want to yeah. help people... But, you know, you got bills to pay some, so you better make sure that you got something to sell. So right. that led me to want to sort of like, you know, find basically this technology that I'm involved in. It led me to try and find work with it. And what actually happened was that she said to me, you know, um, uh, basically I was working with my family business. I'm, I'm one of those, you know, I didn't really do well at college. Um, and, you know, I didn't get a career that I wanted and, you know, I ended up working with my family and, you know, I started to help them. And leaving your family business being a Muslim, it's like breaking away from slavery, okay? It's like, you know, it's like a bondage that you, you've signed up to this unsigned agreement that you're going to have to be their slave. And well, that's a to, bit dramatic. Yeah, that's how it felt. That's how it felt for me. Wow. I, I, did it, I, was, I was a willful slave. Okay. Right. Okay. I, I, I loved being. I, it's like it's just you feel guilty. Okay. And it's just like you have to help them because they've 
like as, as your parents they've, mm -hmm. they've done so much for you so you can't just leave them in the limbo so for me that leaving my family business was a very big decision okay. after being a part of it for like 15, 14 years or two, you know, like being there with them so my mum knew that I had to do something because she could see that the community relations were like deteriorating mm -hmm. since 9-11 mm -hmm. and I remember her earliest memories of me going around with a rucksack going to university she was paranoid like you know oh my god don't yeah. put me in a rucksack don't dress like that oh my god you got a beard oh my god so she was like you know worried like I know parents that are worrying now about mm, that and about mm. hijabs and you know because they're being pulled off and all of these things that are happening at the moment so I decided that I've got to a point where I'm I've I'm now working at a level alhamdulillah I took my parents advice so I've ended up with that technology the, the technology that my mom said to me make sure you find out find something to sell and with that technology I've ended up working at the highest level in fact I've achieved things with it that nobody else has um, and I'm being, alhamdulillah, in, one of, in British Cinematographer magazine, I'll be, inshallah, featured um, as one of the innovators of this technology. And they're also featuring the Air and Terror campaign because I gave up almost two years of my life after the Westminster attack um, and decided that I need to fulfill my promise to Allah. I said that I was going to do something to separate Islamic teachings and principles. I, I said that I was going to represent Islam and Muslim to the wider non-Muslim audience, and I felt that the biggest obstacle that we have and the biggest stigma that's attached to Islam, at, like globally, in the media and in politics, is its association with terrorism. And I have never, ever, ever been taught to kill people in madrasas i've never been taught anything negative i i looked into religion i looked into christianity i looked into judaism i read the torah read the bibles a couple of different versions i i left you know and i and i could see there's so much similarities in our religions that the only three things that are really basically different are going off the topic here but um you know are, are like moses jesus and muhammad peace be upon all of them so for me i couldn't see I, I felt that I have to tackle the biggest stigma that's attached to our religion, mm -hmm. okay? And I felt that that, is, that campaign, like an anti-terrorism campaign, something that would be visually impactful. I reached out to the counter-terrorism teams. I reached out to them, you know, to contact them first. I didn't, I didn't know about, I wasn't really working within the Muslim community, so I didn't know anything about Prevent and Riku mm -hmm. and all of these sort of government initiatives that are there. I didn't know about these things. Um, I just contacted the government agencies because I felt that they have a duty and a responsibility to tackle this issue. So I went to the source first and, um, you know, I found that unfortunately they don't really have a department set up to deal or support Muslims who want to tackle this issue from an independent perspective. So I ran around, then the borough market attack happened. And by that time, that was it because it happened in the same year, a few months later. And I decided I am going to do this. I had a concept by that time. I just... I'd watched, um, uh, I, I've seen all these public information videos for knife crime, gun crime, online grooming, uh, you know, various different sort of, like even think or safety campaigns. What all of these have uh, within them, uh, we, even if they're one minute long, they would have cause, effect, and consequence. The think road safety ones are quite easy to, to break down because you see somebody walking on the road, doesn't look right or left, gets hit by a car, he was paying attention to the music or whatever he wasn't you know and then you see the consequences of it you see somebody not wearing a seatbelt impact happens crash and you see the consequence of, of his sort of you know not of what he did so you see a motorbike cause effect and consequence he's not looking right or left and somebody just like you know smacks into him so you you have cause effect and consequence but for any sort of anti-terrorism campaign unfortunately we don't deal with cause effect and consequence we just deal with if you see something say something and those sort of like initiatives that are 
a basic that, and I and I thought to myself that this is something that needs to be dealt with by you know the way that as from a Muslim perspective I felt that if 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 we're saying from a narrative if we're saying that Muslims are using the religion or have been deluded by the religion to carry out such acts of terror and they justify it within their own minds somehow that the religion is okay for them to carry out those attacks. The only way you can tackle that with those individuals is not by, uh, you know, not their families can't help them, right? The imam, the local imam can't really deal with that either. They have to realize that, that their religion doesn't allow them to do it. So the only thing that will, you know, diffuse them or, or, or you know, tackle them or turn them around is the religion itself. So, you know, they say you have to fight fire with fire. In this case, yes, you have to use the religion, you have to use the ayats in the Quran because the Quran is something that's never, you know, they believe themselves, whoever it is, the Muslims worldwide, you know, agree that it's never been changed before. So I felt that a powerful campaign um, as the one that we've created in which, you know, an individual will carry out an attack and I can slow time down and then in those moments, in like from this like VF, heavy VFX involved, and I was inspired by a scene in X-Men, Quicksilver, um, where this character Quicksilver Slow, like he runs so fast, time slows down. So I felt that if in that moment of somebody, a terrorist who is carrying out an attack, if in that moment we can slow time down and make him and plant the seed and and sow the seed there, of like him realizing that what he's doing is wrong, then you know, and then re and reverse time and give him that opportunity to do that decision again, it allows viewers to be able to understand that one, you know, it, that terrorism has no religion. It's not. It's something that we don't. Um, it, it's not. Uh, it's universally not agreed. Like no, no religion really sponsors supports that, and nor does Islam. So I wanted to create a visual piece that, without saying much, would basically visually have that impact and create that visual doubt, and they'd realise, hold on a minute, we're taking lives here, but they could see it. They could have that moment of reflection, just like these Think Road Safety campaigns, because they give you that moment of reflection. And so I went with that campaign, and I reached out to the Muslim like charities and organisations. And because I'm dealing with the issue of terrorism, I didn't really get much support. People were like, you know, well done. You know, I had the storyboards. Yeah, that's great. Even the government agencies were like, you know, look, we're not really set up to make these sort of campaigns. And you got verses of the Quran in the campaign. And if you got verses of the Quran in the campaign, we can't, we can't, we we have to be unbiased. We can't really fund campaigns that have like, you know. Um, that, that have that sort of association with, with, with the religion in it. And I thought to myself, okay, so I'm left in a situation where I understand how to sort of tackle this issue. It's, it's definitely visually, um, it's, it, it's something that needed. It's something that now that we've made it, we've already, you know, alhamdulillah, now that it's made. When we've screened it at the BFI, when we've screened, screened it to some people that are like, you know, ex-convicted terrorists and these sort of individuals who come from that past, it's just made them think, and, and they said that this is going to have an impact. This is going to it's going to do two things. Anybody that's harboring uh, thoughts or extremist uh, thoughts about carrying out acts of violence in the name of the religion will think twice, inshallah. Will they look at it and they'll think twice? They'll force them to think twice. And those that think that our religion is promoting this sort of acts will realize that our religion doesn't support it. So it does two things. So who's the campaign for? It's for everyone, because right now globally because of certain individuals carrying out acts of terror, and there are some Muslims who've done that, um, we are losing our civil rights. We are living in fear. We leave, you know, we're living in an environment that our relationships with our communities are you know, breaking. There's more tension. 
there is, uh, you know, this continuous sort of, you know, the government sort of like not knowing how to sort of deal with it. So what they're doing is putting more pressure, telling people to be more vigilant. If you see something, say something. So I sort of somewhat get it from a government perspective that they can't really, you know, use like create a Muslim character because if they created a Muslim character, perhaps they would um, get scrutinized for creating a Muslim character. They, they, there's one, um, one sort of, uh, they did one exercise in, uh, a securities exercise in Manchester where somebody said Allahu Akbar and, and then all of a sudden, you know, people like went for the government agencies and they were scrutinized for, for doing that. So I get it if they created this campaign themselves, maybe they would face scrut uh, scrutiny. But at the same time, when individuals like myself as a Muslim, I, this needs to be done because we do need to be able to tackle this issue because if we don't, what we've done is something that's independent and is saying and doing, it, it's basically dealing with the cause and effects and uh, cause effects and the consequences. So how can people access this film? You've made four short films um, yep. and you've already showcased them at the British Film Institute and it has been, is it the Triforce um, yeah, festival. We were the best. Yeah, we were, we were the best of the fest. One day before the, uh, our, we were nominated. Well, we were nominated as best of the fest, mm -hmm. and then the Westminster attack. Ha the there was another attack that happened on the London Bridge attack that just recently mm -hmm. happened this year. So we we were screening the campaign one day after mm -hmm. a couple of bridges down. You know, so wow. it was kind of like wow. You know, literally, it was Gosh. just that happened the day before. And now we're screening this tomorrow. It's a bit surreal. So I felt for a minute that the uh because when they played it when they were about to play the campaign they said look just because of the events yesterday i thought oh my god they're pulling the mm -hmm. film they're not going to show it yeah but they showed it and okay. so many people were touched by it uh -huh. uh, people came up to me and said your work is so important this needs to be everywhere people like you know people with tears in their eyes you know i, I whenever i screen this people people cry people have like um so who are you screening it to um well, and the moment, what we're doing is at the moment, we're going around the UK, mm -hmm. and um, so different areas. I've gone to uh, places like uh, Dudley, I've been to the Midlands, I've been to West Midlands. So we're going around the UK, so our aim is to go around basically some of the major regions, mm -hmm. um, also across the Scotland, Northern Ireland, Ireland, uh, Wales. So all of these sort of different regions to pubs, mm -hmm. actually, because pubs have um, mm -hmm. uh, traditionally, they are one of, they, they possibly, if I could compare them to the massages, for the English community, because you know we'd go Friday prayers on, on you know to go on a Friday we'll go for prayers on a Friday. Most a lot of people go to the pub to congregate and uh, you know and, and and get the community together. Traditionally, they used to be the central hub mm -hmm. um, for the, the, the community, and they also have um, something that's very you know used. It's not just unique, but a lot of people go there and watch sports events, and they mm -hmm. have like. Uh, projectors and screens and sound systems so they're really rigged to sort of screen a, a, a you know films or a short film just to have that sort of a a conversation and pubs have been you know they say don't talk about religion politics or football but that's what people just talk about in pubs anyway mm -hmm. so you know it, it's kind of interesting to be able to go into these sort of like um uh areas and also football clubs different areas going into areas where people there's there's tension within the communities people don't really want to talk to each other or they, there's a lot of like, you know, maybe um, like Halifax or where there's mm -hmm. issues with grooming gangs in Rotherham. You know, going to some of the places, even Luton, we've carried, you know, we did a event in Luton as well last year at the Bricklayer's Arms. All of this, all of this has been documented. All of our, all of our journey over the last three years, we've been documenting into a feature-length doc, which hopefully, inshallah, will either be, you know, we're trying to pitch it 
at the moment to get it commissioned for one of the you know either one of the streaming channels or broadcaster so at the moment that 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 mm -hmm. this journey is still continuing okay. and that's what we're doing so, so we're still public at the moment mm -hmm. so brother is one how can people connect with you if they want to see this film um we are li we are going live not just uh Luton surrounding areas, but Peterborough and Sheffield this morning across Link FM and Salaam Radio. So if there was anybody listening in and wanted to communicate, correspond, support or see well, this, these documentaries called The Era in Terror. Be a, part, be a part of it in some way, shape or form. I think, look, we've been nominated. Um, basically, we've got three companies, Mr. Helix Limited, which is all the technical side mm -hmm. of the business, which is all the stabilization equipment, all the stuff we do in films. The Pixelite Pictures have been nominated uh, by Islam Channel as, uh, well, we're finalists for uh, Community Business of the Year. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a production company, so we make like adverts and, you know, like we make films and short films. And then the BMFI, which we're establishing. So the Erin Terror campaign has been supported by all three of these entities. Mm -hmm. So I put about £70,000 worth of my own money into it, and then that sort of helped to kickstart um, and got about 60 companies in the filming industry to, to, to partner up and support us. And some of those donations from those companies were like £70,000, or some of them, mm -hmm. like, you know, over 300 people worked in this project. So sometimes it's not just money, but it's sometimes what resources that people can provide you. Sometimes people can put you in touch with people, networking, locations, logistics. You know, they can give you space, workspaces, places to stay, like assets. Like, there's, there's things that you can, that, that are more sometimes not more yeah i mean the r's are probably more valuable than anything else sincere ones because they can really help us to open further doors for us um but the reality is that production and these sort of things are expensive these things do cost money mm. and muslims do need to sort of realize that look if we want to sort of like change our image like okay let me put it in this perspective if mcdonald's i, I don't want to say it, I want, if any corporation any big entity any political party any big company right that's that's uh, a massive corporation if anything happens to their image, they would spend millions on tackling their, on putting a spin on that, mm -hmm. on trying to, you know, get, they would have PR teams working to, you know, improve their image, to, to tackle the, the narrative, to, to change that narrative. So isn't our religion worth more than, you know, a burger or a shoe, you know, whatever it is that people are selling? So isn't our faith worth more than that for us as a community? If we're being so badly misrepresented, can we not just come together and the people that are leading this, like people like ourselves, and there's a few other companies as well that are, and a few other filmmakers that are jumping on board, and they are, you know, getting to a position to be able to tell our stories. The community needs to get in support of that. So the BMFI is very important because it will start training these individuals to even, you know, have have more skills and sort of start channeling channeling that together mm -hmm. and all these partnerships that we've built up in the filming industry. We can then utilize them to be able to ensure that whatever we spend. It is spent really well. So um, I just want this, um, the is B British Muslim yeah, Film Institute is what you're referring yeah. to. We're and setting that up at the moment. We're in the grassroots, like we're in the first sort of initial stages of partnering up with potentially mm -hmm. like Islam Channel, potentially partnering up with Inspire because radio is a creative field. You guys will be doing something as well. So have you just, with... um, have you, have, have, has that just been announced? Because that's I knew announced. nothing of that. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> announced because that's the way it is. We've got to work together. Right? Inshallah, inshallah. I think we're all, we're all, we are all speaking from the same page um, yeah, and are. in creating a, a real representation of our communities in all shapes 
and forms and we're not all the same we're very different but you know and it's it's but we want a creativity i do feel is the way forward in in um developing those changes if people want to get in touch with us we're at pixelide pictures mm -hmm. you know so on instagram or rizwan wadan it's not very difficult to find me actually um so in that sense it's you people can get can get in touch with us we do need the support we are trying to make feature films because we want to get away from the begging mentality of mm -hmm. like you know can you give us one pound two pounds but yeah. initially we do need to get to a point where we can make films feature films that can be sold so once you're making films that are returning a profit because i'm working in an industry i'm in the industry looking out to the muslim community and saying hey look at my position look at what we're able to create Look at we can break outside of our echo chambers and not only that if you're smart businessmen stop thinking about just the, your next burger shop or whatever business you're doing it as an expansion and the mosque to look stop looking at the you know the, the next uh, sort of extension you need look at what how we can you know create send our messages and actually even potentially make money from this and it's how investing in the future generation, isn't it? It's about the future yes, generation when we build extensions or we build set up businesses. We're thinking <laughs> about children. Doing. So <laughs> it's, I'm good, dude, I'm good. <laughs> not really, okay, but it is, this is not a fundraising <laughs> thing for Brother Islam, folks, if you're listening in. But what I'm wanting to say is I'm on the same page here because it is about investing in the future generations. We are in a situation where things are getting a little worse than they were. Um, um, Islamophobia is unfortunately <laughs> Um, Talking on more, sorry, sorry to interject there, just to, just to mention what you just said, the, the, the Islamophobia is on the rise. Individuals like, you know, Stephen Yaxley, Tommy Robinson, mm -hmm. and even Nigel Farage, they went around the country getting milk, you know, spreading their message across the whole country and campaigning around, and they were funded. And, you know, yeah, they got milkshakes here and there, that's what you might have seen, but they went around spreading their narrative, okay? And they were funded by businesses and mm -hmm. people to be able to go and do that. But when we're going to tackle that narrative, and when we're doing this, the Muslim community do need to support us to do that because, mm -hmm. you know, otherwise it's just we can't match. You know, we're not we're not sort of like we're, we're, we're one foot one step behind, one foot behind. We need to level up. But inshallah, the leveling up is what you're aiming to do with the British Film Institute, and also uh, also investing in the future generation. And we are now heading to the end of the break, but we're also going to be talking about your contribution and your family's contribution because your daughter mashallah is our guest straight after the break and she is a uh, upcoming filmmaker and we're going to be talking about her latest short film as well that she's been working on so her name is Iman um, Wadan so I'm really excited about that so brother thank you so very much for joining me on the show and giving me your time good luck with everything you're doing and I look forward to speaking to so Iman we've got oh, about 12 nice. seconds so quickly about Iman <laughs> Oh, Iman is the upcoming. She's the future, man. She's Ma the future, inshallah. Mashallah. Um, nicely said by dad there. Chip off the old block. So we're going off to a break. Join us then. Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza.
Good morning, good morning, good morning, and assalamu alaikum. This is the Urban Cube show. It's 11.30, Monday, 17th of February, and you're listening to Shamiza, taking all the way up to 12 o'clock this morning. Um, we are going live and direct to all our listeners across Luton and surrounding areas and Peterborough and Sheffield this morning. Peterborough, it's Salam Radio and Sheffield Link FM. Massive big salams to all our listeners, and thank you for allowing me to keep your company uh, this morning. It is the first day for the half term. Um, How's it going, folks? If you're listening in to the show at home, driving to work or listening from your app, do tell me what you think. I would love to hear from you. What are your plans for the rest of the week? And how did you deal with the uh, the storm at the weekend? Hope those fences are still up. Mine are totally wrecked, um, which is rather, rather worrying. But um, as I said earlier on in the show, alhamdulillah, you know, it could be a lot worse. So I'll consider it a blessing, the amount that has impacted in my garden. But I do want to say it was wonderful to see lots of um, community coming together, helping their neighbours, putting some of the fences up as well. And it kind of it fits in quite nicely with today's topic of the show. It's a National Act of Random Kindness Day. And um, so I'm asking listeners, you know, tell me about the acts of kindness that you have done um, of late. Uh, you know, do, have you helped somebody um, it could be simply just, you know, helping them cross the road if it's if it's a child um, or allowing a car to go ahead of you um, or somebody in the queue, letting them go in front of you. It can be as simple as that, uh, but it does make a difference. And um, I've read an article about kindness can really, really change the chemical balance in your ha- um, in your head. Doing acts of kindness can really help your mental well-being so there is a real goodness in that Um, and as Muslims it's a duty upon us to to be uh, advocates of kindness always the the prophets peace be upon them have been um, the ambassadors of kindness throughout their prophethood and you know we we should be following their example and lead inshallah in everything that we do now I've had the absolute pleasure of speaking to two absolutely fantastic guests this morning I've had the pleasure of speaking to Moitur Rahman who is um uh, who is part of the Muslim um, group of the Extinction Rebellion um, organization, which aims to uh, encourage people to really take uh, on board the impact that climate is having and uh, and educate uh, individuals on the changes and differences that they should be making. And then I was joined by no other than uh, Rizwan um, Wadan, who is a filmmaker who is uh, really ahead of his game on the technical camera uh, equipment that he's creating um, which has been uh, used on the sets of Star Wars the Star Wars film and the uh, and also the favorite and he's produced four short films uh, on a project to tackle hatred extremism and terrorism and he talked quite passionately about encouraging the Muslim community uh, invest in creating change in the misrepresentation that um, we have been faced by the media putting in 
investment in, putting time, putting energy in and creating this change. And it can only happen if we come together as a community and invest in good quality um, projects and campaigns. And he also mentioned about um, his vision in the launch for the launch of the British Muslim Film Institute, one of its kind, the first of its kind in England to actually train and develop those skills um, in the future generation of filmmaking. But it doesn't just stop there. I mean, his passion for filmmaking has naturally rubbed off in onto my next guest. She is no other than Iman. Dan. And um, if you recognize the surname, then you'll know that she is the daughter of Rizwan, mashallah. She's a rising talent and one of the youngest Muslim filmmakers. And she's currently writing her second short film, Lost in London. Absolute pleasure to have Iman join us this morning. Assalamu alaikum, Iman. Wa alaikum assalam. How are you, my dear? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so very much for joining me this morning. Now, Iman, tell me, how old are you? I'm 11. 11, 11. And you're the youngest, youngest Muslim filmmaker. Is that correct? Uh, I think so. (laughs) Or is that what your daddy says? (laughs) Yeah. But I'm so excited to be speaking to you and I'm going to have to record this interview and save it because I hope I'm the first ever person speaking to you about your filmmaking. Am I? Uh, Yeah, I guess. Oh, yay. I'm super, super excited about that. Now, Iman, it's the holiday, so you're at home. Um, What are you planning to do? Are you going to be playing maybe a board game? Because I've been asking everybody this morning about board games and playing them and your daddy told me that you guys play monopoly so do you think you'll be pulling out that board game is that one of your favorite board games yeah it's 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 an amazing game it's an amazing and do you win um sometimes 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 um so my dear coming back to film now do you think you'll be picking up your camera in the holidays probably i might decide to just make something short with my other siblings um so make a funny old comedy (laughs) funny old comedy so so you make films with your other siblings so who's in this team of um team how many siblings do you have i have three three siblings which are always uh yeah with me and then four others as well Mashallah, mashallah, lovely big family. So there's a lovely big crew to help you with your filmmaking, but you're in charge. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're in charge. <laughs> and tell me, my dearest, um, you're 11 years old. You mm-hmm. are the youngest Muslim filmmaker. Yeah, so excited yeah. to speak to you. And you're also working on your, not just your first film, but you, you finished your first film. You're actually working on your second short film, Lost in London. Wow. Yes. You're a busy lady. How do you fit it all in? Um, well, it's actually quite hard to find out uh, what's going to happen when and how to do it and all these kind of things. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm... 
but you're not actually sure when I'm gonna fit all the film and writing it and everything in. Do you, do you get help from your daddy? Has your daddy inspired you to go into well, filmmaking? I guess. Um, that's where I got my camera from. Ah, <laughs> that helps. And um, did he, cause, because your daddy told me that he was really surprised when he saw one of the films that you made and it really, he was really quite taken aback and he thought, this girl's got talent. Um, Has he told you that? Yeah, I did make uh, it, but I just did it in my spare time when my sister and her friend were bored. Uh-huh. And I said, if you're so bored, help me at it by being an actor in this video that I'm just going to write quickly and then you just act it. And then I got my, I got my brother to hold up a lamp. And so, so he was the gaffer? gaffer. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and he did that for you. He kept hold of the lamp and you got the actors and you told them, if you're bored, star in my film. I like the way you do that. You're a lady <laughs> who knows her mind. And um, and what was the experience like for them? Were they easy to manage and direct? I mean, um, they were okay. It took a lot of takes and everything because they're only like seven and eight. Oh, so, they're not trained either, so. <laughs> the seven and eight and they're not trained either. I love that. You know, um, they're young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. But you've got them in control. You made them do it. And this is where it starts, doesn't it, Iman? You've got to start young and, and you're training them up to be a future gaffer and actor. It's awesome. Now, what are your favourite films, Iman? What's your favourite? What sort um, of films do you like to watch? I like watching fantasies such as like Harry Potter and... Um other things like that and um there's a lot there's nothing much for uh my age group mm -hmm. uh and people who are in their um from like nine till mm -hmm. 13 or 14 there's nothing much in there there's just a lot of these films which are just made in a few like a week or so and they no one puts much effort into it and mm -hmm. it's not anything for like young muslims interesting you raise a very like. interesting point no films for young muslims so is this something that you might want to try and, and create um well i think i would like to try and um make a few more uh things and then make uh it could become like a sequel of mm. uh like a long series which could do something and maybe i could start putting it on things like youtube for example mm. and then when it if it if i'm successful then <laughs> Inshallah. You... Netflix, I don't know. Yeah, why Probably not? Think I'm... big. Think like your dad. <laughs> Think big. You know, the, you know, the world is yours to, to conquer. Is having that positive, positive thinking, that positive mindset. And is that what daddy and mummy help you do? Do they encourage you to follow your your ideas and, and 
an experiment? Well, yeah. Um, if I want to experiment with something, they're like, just try it. See if you're good at it. You will be good at it. You know? <laughs> And Things like that. That's good. That's good. And <laughs> and what I wanted to ask you is, do you ever go on set with Daddy when he works? Have you ever been on set to see him work? Like, yes, mm -hmm. I have. Um, I have started a few adverts. Oh, um, so you're a bit of a... T yeah. uh, uh, is it film or television adverts that you've been in? Um, I think the, the, the National The Cup Foundation uh -huh. adverts. I've been in two of those. Yeah, and then uh, one of my first, I've acted in the one of the first films that um, that he made. So, right. So, um, so you're so you're not only a real um, a pro behind camera, but you're also an on-screen star as well. So, what do you prefer, being in front of the camera or behind the camera? Behind, because um, I get kind of shy when I'm in front and I don't know. Sometimes my words get stuck and I don't know what to say. <laughs> so I think behind the camera for me, um, doing the editing and the filming and stuff, that's, that's me. Wow, wow. I don't like going and just standing in front and talking <laughs> well you're going to have to get your speeches ready because when you win those awards young lady the cameras are going to be on you um and we're really looking forward to finding out about your new short film that you're creating about um london tell us a little bit more about this um what can are you allowed to reveal any information about the film yeah i can reveal some without giving any spoilers Ooh. so it's about a group of kids uh -huh. um who all have their different personalities, and one day they're just in the in Trafalgar Square, and then uh, uh, a boy who is visually impaired goes missing. He's just walking along. It's a group's cousin, and he goes walking along. He doesn't know where he is because uh, he can't see much. And then the kids go look for him, get lost. <laughs> wow, that's an adventure and a half. And I think you're giving away too much information and I don't want yeah. any potential filmmakers <laughs> taking your story because this sounds really, really exciting, Iman. Um, and this is an idea that you, you created yourself without Daddy's help. Actually, not just that. I think one of my cousins was saying that that he was going to, that my dad was going to make a film called Lost in London. And I was like, wait, what? I didn't hear anything about this. And then I remembered from a while back, he was saying something about it. And then I decided, why, it, why let it sit there and just <laughs> let it bathe in memories? and just sit in your brain <laughs> at the back of your head when you could actually make it. Yay! So I started writing it, um, and yeah. 
Oh, you're, you're my kind of girl. <laughs> take it over, girl. Take it over. Take over the empire of filmmaking. Oh, you have got a very bright future. And I'm really excited about what you're going to be creating. And I love that idea that, you know, that why let it bathe in the back of your head? Pull it out. Why make it just a memory? Why not create it? Be that inspiration for everybody listening into the show. Do not let your ideas just sit in your head. Would you agree with that, Iman? Yes, definitely. Just if you think, oh, I really want to make this thing. I've been wanting to create, for example, a book or a new kind of gadget. Don't just say, oh, this is just my childish dreams. Let's just, let's just bang it back into my head, leave it there, lose it somewhere, <laughs> and then uh, when And then instead of just doing that, why don't you just decide that, oh, I'm going to try and find all these um, spare pieces of wires and metal and just make it happen. And make it happen is what you're doing. You're definitely a very good example of that. And I'm really, really delighted to be speaking to you because you've really inspired me because I've got all these ideas in the back of my head that need to come out. And they sure will because listening to you, Iman. Now, Iman, I want to ask you, what are you hoping to do once you've left school? I know you've got a number of years yet. Um, you're 11 years old. So does that mean you're at primary school or are you at high school now? I'm actually um, homeschooled. Ooh. And I am in, yes. Seven. Okay. And, and um, I've been, yeah, after I finish all my stuff, um, finish everything, all my, finish all my exams and just head out and not have to do maths ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling you, girl. I'm feeling yes. you. <laughs> I am planning on being an author. Ooh. I, yeah, um. And also I might decide to just use that camera which is just sitting there, not just leave it for my years of being a kid. Let's just take that camera up and don't just chuck it in the trash can. Pick it up and say, oh, I've got this. What am I going to do with it if I've got this? I can still do things. Why not? I can tell stories. I can write my stories and then shove them into a film. <laughs> I love that. Just shove them into the film. And that's how great films are made. They do come from stories. And to, and to be able to tell your story and then turn that from a page into a film. How, how awesome is that? Iman, tell me... Um, you're only 11 years old, mashallah, but you seem wiser beyond your years. What sort of films would you like to see more of? Um, and do you feel there are films that you can relate to as a, a Muslim, a Muslimer? Um, well, there are, if you search up Muslim films for kids, mm -hmm. and then you just see all these cartoons which just are talking about a Muslim person who's doing all these things. They're going to the masjid, the madrasa, mm. everything. But then there's nothing which has a Muslim character who's, who's doing something which isn't just for just one 
religions you do mm-hmm. um if it could be if you have a lots of different like it doesn't have to be just one religion it could be a mixes of different religions in the film if if you just have a, a film with only for example only christians or only jews or only i don't know <laughs> um then then no no one's gonna just go like oh let's just watch the other thing which isn't it isn't just christians or mm-hmm. jews or whatever um work together isn't it just mix up everything and have a little bit of this have a little bit of that have a little bit of creativity um have a little bit of fun bring people together yeah. have laughter and love and 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 show yeah. community and that sounds like something that you i feel are going to do yeah. you're really going to make um, a difference, mashallah. Um, Iman, I want to ask you, is your daddy near you? Yes. Would you be kind enough to give him the phone for a moment? Because, um, okay. yeah, I want to. And Iman, do you have, I know, do you have an, um, a, a Facebook for your filmmaking? Or is, any, is there any way people can connect with you? How can we follow your journey? Um, well, I'm planning on seeing if I can... Uh, do a YouTube channel oh. or something which has all my films, but I haven't got one which is for my films yet. I have a few things, but... <laughs> wow, well, yeah. well, I'm super excited to follow whatever you're going to be doing, Iman. Um, for those of you who've tuned in, we are listening to no other than Iman Vadan. She is 11 years old, guys. She's a rising talent, one of the youngest Muslim filmmakers, and she's currently writing her second short film Lost in London and it's just been so awesome speaking to Iman this morning you've really really made me very happy and excited about the future of filmmaking when we've got wonderful talented young ladies like you taking the lead now Iman is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners this morning about filmmaking or creativity keep creative keep showing your feelings and uh, keep showing your ideas don't just have your ideas in your head. Show them to everyone. Make them make your ideas in your head turn into real things. Wow. How inspiring is that? Thank you so very much, Iman, for joining me this morning. This has to be my favouritest interview everest in the world. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My dearest, do you want to just hand the phone over to your dad? Um, okay. It'd be really nice to just speak to him for a moment. And you're an absolute superstar. May Allah always protect you and give you um, the creativity, energy and talent that you so deserve. Bro, you've got nothing on that girl. She, oh, what, you know, she's really lifted me, mashallah, mashallah, with her her vision, her passion and her ideas. Um, wow. And I remember speaking to you um, and you, you were quite enamoured by her skill. We are going to be heading oh off to the God, end yeah. of the show. It's, you've got about two minutes. Is there anything you want to say <clears> about <throat> encouraging our children, our girls in particular, to kind of be creative? 
Look, the most um, sort of the most prominent sort of producers. It's not. It's well known that um, you know there's a lot of females that are in the filming industry. Um, behind the camera, maybe not as many as there needs need to be. But you know, in production and editing, there's a place for our daughters, you know, and our sisters and our wives and our even maybe our mothers and whatnot to be in the industry. Man, it's like it's there. It's booming. We should be able to tell our own stories. It's something that needs to be uh, done. And if, uh, women's uh, stories need to be told by women, you know, like they they need to lead on that. So, you know, I'm tackling the stigma that's attached to potentially like, oh, you know, Muslim fathers, they don't educate their daughters, mm. they don't let them do what they want to do. And within this field, you know, there's a, a halal way for them to be involved in the industry and to be able to lead on telling their stories and doing what they're doing. I think that needs to be sort of supported. So um, as we're nurturing new talent, then I'm starting with my own children first you know as well like it's not just about trying to provide opportunities to others if i find that any of my children want to be involved then i will help them without forcing them letting them find their way letting them find their strength giving them the chance and i think that's what parents need to do they need mm. to get, listen to their children if they want to be doctors engineers whatever they want to be they might they might want to be a different profession to what you want them to be don't force them to be you know something they don't want to be because they'll never be happier they may not even succeed they may fail in doing that so yeah, anyway, in terms of like where we're going, I think we're nurturing new talent. The BMFI is something that's there for, you know, when you say it's my project, it's not my project, okay. it's our project. It belongs to the community. Mashallah. And it's something that is um, available for us soon, inshallah. Inshallah. And and may it grow strength in strength. It's been an absolute ameen, pleasure ameen. speaking to you, brother Rizwan Wadan, this morning. And also you, the brother. absolutely amazing Iman. That was such a treat. My <laughs> favoritest interview ever. Um, and thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And please keep us posted. Thank with you. the amazing work and we'd love to have you back on inshallah thank you yeah we'll be coming to the studio soon inshallah um, and so from us assalamu alaikum that was brother Rizwan and the gorgeous Iman his 11 year old daughter from us have a uh, wonderful week stay safe be kind and uh, inshallah join you next week at the same time assalamu alaikum thank you for listening to our podcast why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.